This is why small business matters from Northumbria University. Supporting small businesses with the Help to Grow Management Programme. Hello, I'm Sarah Stevenson and I'm part of the Help to Grow Management team at Northumbria University. Welcome to this episode of Why Small Business Matters, where we talk to entrepreneurs, owners, leaders and policymakers about what makes a successful business. Today I'm joined by Paul Bevan, Projects Director at Helm Consulting. Helm is a leading construction consultancy with a highly experienced team of project managers and cost consultants. And Paul is a highly experienced project manager with a broad portfolio of skills. A former Royal Air Force officer specialising in infrastructure, Paul has been managing projects at home and overseas for 25 years. Since leaving the RAF, he specialised in large public sector construction and demolition projects. And his mantra is that communication and relationship building are critical to project success. Paul, welcome to Why Small Business Matters. Thank you. Good morning, Sarah. Tell me a little bit more about your work in the RAF. It sounds really fascinating. Uh, It almost happened by chance. Uh, I was studying for my hires. I was based in Scotland for schooling. Uh, And I just didn't see a university route for me at that time. Uh, so at the age of 17, halfway through my hires, it was a decision point. Uh, I was I was into languages at school at the time, so communication seemed to be the field to go into the RIF. So I went down uh, to the careers office uh, in Edinburgh, and, and that was me. Um, 24 and a half years later, it felt like it was the right decision. And so being in the RIF, did, did you travel abroad with these construction projects? What um, Tell us a little bit about, set the scene for us. Yeah, sure. So uh, as you could imagine, there's an awful lot on offer in the RAF. So uh, with work travel and with kind of adventurous training travel as well. So I've done a lot of sailing around the world. Sailing was my particular thing. But from a professional point of view, yeah, I, uh, I moved out of the communications field, went into a leadership job. Uh, and then from the leadership job, took a commission, which mainly saw me involved in infrastructure type work. Uh, I, I would guess the, the main areas of my construction experience were probably started in Cyprus, uh, where I was responsible for the estate over there, uh, both with the RAF. And then as I left the RAF, I moved across to Interserve, who were running Hard FM over there at the time. So quite a transition then from being in the services and really big infrastructure projects to um, working in an SME. So can you tell me a little bit about Helm Consulting and where you are today? Yeah, can I pick up on the point about the transition first? Um, It's something that we struggle with going from the military to Civvy Street um, because we were very aware of the badge that we wear on our shoulder or on our chest telling us what rank we are and what our position in society is. Uh, so uh, the transition from military leadership to civilian leadership often feels a lot more daunting than it turns out to be. Um, I I thought I was a large organisation person because I was in the military, um, but the military is quite uh, clan-like almost. So though I was in the RAF, I was at a station and a member of a wing and a member of a squadron and, and leading a flight. Uh, I quickly realised after a few years out of the Air Force that I liked an SME. I liked that small team. I like working with a small team. I like the 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 leadership and followership that that brings every single day. So although the transition appeared daunting, leadership's leadership, 
speaking to people is speaking to people and listening to people is listening to people so it's the same skills excellent so describe a normal working day at helm oh, <laughs> or maybe there's no such thing <laughs> yeah well it, no there is it follows a pattern the normal working day starts with a list of about 15 things that i'd like to achieve that day and things happen during the day and the end of the working day uh, ends with about 15 things that i'd like to achieve that day uh, sometimes they're different sometimes they're the same it's it's the beauty of project management it, it's, I, I deal with about seven or eight projects at a time um, and uh, with the best laid plans of what you are hoping to achieve that day, things happen. Um, thing, things happen quickly in the building industry and ch- change is ever present. Uh, we have to be agile, we have to be on our toes and we have to be ready for change and ready to deal with that. So firefighting is probably the wrong term. It's not as panicky as that. But um, things will change from very early in the morning till very late at night and we're on hand to deal with it. Um, I think that the construction industry, for those that don't know, is quite an early start. It's a half seven start in the morning on site. Uh, and you could imagine the lads out there and the ladies out there are working hard all day in all conditions. So they're generally done by three, four o'clock in the afternoon. But the management of that takes place a couple of hours before it and a couple of hours after it and all throughout the day. So there is no such thing as a typical working day. There are no such thing as typical hours. But the the one thing that is constant throughout it is there's always something different happening with different people. Um, we often look in fact I was when I was speaking to the uh, former directors of this business when I joined uh, we were chatting about uh, project management and chatting about how much of it is actually relationship management tell me a little bit about some of the construction projects you're involved with just so that our listeners really understand the type of building that you're involved in we we really have a great range at helm of the projects that we support um regionally we will support uh, small and large scale developments so for instance um residential developments in gosforth jesmond i have a number of those on the go at the moment uh creating beautiful homes for people uh, it's always enjoyable um, the finished product is always stunning to look at to the other end of that scale, I'm uh, developing a multi-storey car park for a hospital down in Guildford. It's a multi-storey car park. It may not be beautiful to look at, but uh, it really hits home when you hear of people that are going for treatments and appointments and diagnosis, and they can't park at the hospital before they actually get there. So whilst building a beautiful home is beautiful the uh, the enabling factor of building a car park that means people can get to their appointment on time and the stress of that is taken out is rewarding in itself so all projects have rewards um in edinburgh uh, we're working on a scheme for 368 built to rent apartments um and that's the first time they've done built to rent in scotland so that's another large-scale scheme Uh, We support local and private schools uh, across the region and we're quite big into healthcare. Uh, We've been supporting um, cancer care centres and that that kind of facility for many, many years now. I have a cancer care centre under development in Guildford at the moment. Now, I'd like to talk a little bit about Helm, the business, because you've recently undergone a rebrand of the business. So what did that involve? 
we we sat around a table and the, the business was actually two businesses a couple of years ago, uh, branded under the name Ward Robinson. There was an interior design arm of the business and a project management arm of the business. The We, we parted ways with the interior design elements of the business and they kept the name Ward Robinson. And it was, a, I remember clearly sitting around a table thinking up new names for what Ward Robinson project management would be. Uh, one of the tabled ideas was WRPM, which felt a little bit like you were listening to a Texan radio station. You're live with WRPM. So um, we, we quickly mm. came to the realisation that we're really bloody good at building buildings, but we're not that good at designing logos and coming up with a new name. So we had to go and see a specialist. Um, we went to see uh, Jump, which are a great marketing consultancy in Newcastle. Other brands are available. Um, and they did a great job with us. They, they really worked hard uh, understanding who we were and I think helping us to learn who we are. Um, we we said that we didn't want to be a grey consultancy full of 50 plus males in grey suits. Uh, we wanted to be a bit more vibrant than that. And we wanted to ensure that the client felt special uh, and the, the project felt special. Um, interesting we were talking to people that were wearing funky jumpers and funky colored trainers and jeans and telling them that we didn't want to appear like 50 somethings and looking down at ourselves in our chinos and brogues and realizing we we're 50 somethings um you were exactly that <laughs> exactly yeah exactly so uh, the brand and the logo is much more conservative than we initially asked for because it's actually what we wanted. Um, the the idea is of helm. Uh, we are uh, steering the ship. Uh, we are not the captain of the ship. The client's the captain of the ship. Um, but there is input coming in everywhere from engineers, from architects, from acoustic consultants. Uh, and, and we're there at the helm taking everyone in the same direction on the same journey. That was the idea. I think it fits well. That sounds like a fabulous brand strategy, you know, really taking that idea of the of you being the uh, the guide, if you like, for, for the skipper who's the client. Guide, yeah, it's a, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It varies how clients approach us. Uh, we are sometimes introduced uh, by a friend of the client or by a current client. That, that's quite often the case. A lot of our business is through word of mouth. Um, fellow consultants, uh, we have quite a network within uh, consultants within the region. As a project manager, if someone comes to me and says they want a hospital to be built, I need to understand who the best consultant in the region or nationally to build the hospital would be. If it's a school, I need to understand how uh, the best consultant team for the school. So, so it's important to maintain that network within the industry. Um, the path from that point onwards is always very different and it's part of the job that I really love. It's getting to know and understand what part the client wants me to play. Uh, does the client look at me as one of their employees that just doesn't happen to sit in their office? Um, and, and back to this, uh, do they expect me to just get on with the job? Do they want to go to the Caribbean for six months while the project's delivered? I often say that. Um, so uh, it's how embedded within the organization a client wants us. And uh, we go from everything from being really at arm's length to absolutely embedded within the client's organization. We try and form a friendship, for want of a better word, with the client, really understand them and listen to them, find out what they need uh, and how they want the project to be run. I, I'm absolutely not one for process. 
Uh, I don't think it works uh, because everybody's different and everybody wants their project to be delivered differently. There is a process to follow, uh, but it's a framework. It's absolutely a framework and you mold that frame to the client's need. You've talked a little bit, I think, about um, the importance of communication in your in your role previously in the RAF. Um, that's obviously really important when you're talking to clients, contractors and other people involved in projects. Can you tell me a little bit about that? How, how do you go about making sure that you communicate in the most effective way possible? Yeah, sure. As a project manager, you need to be able to walk on a building site, uh, communicate with the guy who's guarding the gate and then go into a meeting room and speak to directors who may not be happy with the decisions that you're making. So it's, it's the whole range. Um, it's an off-use phrase, but we've got two ears and one mouth and they should be used in proportion. That's the best way to communicate. So understanding how people want that communication to come across is the key. And uh, some of our clients uh, look at us as being employed by them to deliver the project. So don't need to hear from us and don't particularly want to hear from us. Some of our clients will look at us and, and want a daily call or a daily roundup, a daily email. Uh, so it, it's absolutely specific to project and then specific to the person that you're speaking to within that project. We, we do fancy reports, we have phone calls, uh, everything in between really. And construction has obviously been in the news recently. Um, it's the only part of the um, industrial sector that's provided any growth in the UK at the moment. Um, how do you see your end of the construction business moving at the moment? It is, I think it's wonderful. It, it's, uh, I think we're all waiting for the recession to bite that doesn't seem to be biting. Uh, I look out my window now and I'm in central Newcastle. So I'm looking at Bank House Pilgrim Place, uh, a beautiful new building, a really symbolic building for Newcastle and bringing thousands of people back into the city centre. So it appears to be a building, but what it is, is the people that are going to the coffee shop that's independent around the corner. So it's it's really bringing people into places uh, that's going to be supporting the local businesses and the local economy. It's making everyone's life better. Uh, people get that. I think people understand that. Uh, people um, want to, I think some people want to come back to the office at some point. I don't think everyone wants to work from home all the time. So we're still finding our feet and finding the balance there. The key to that is providing places that people want to be in. So if you are going to mimic a working from home environment, you need to provide an environment in which people want to be and people are understanding that. Um, it's a great growth area, huge amount of jobs created uh, by the building itself and then from the users that operate the building. Elaborate a bit more about what you said about city centres. How do, you, how do you see them changing over the next five, ten years? I see a reduction in the traditional high street from a retail perspective. Uh, I think we need to bring the people and the places together and the way to do that is, is the leisure offering really, uh, hospitality and leisure. So I'm sure we all love to sit in a city square in Europe and enjoy the sunshine watching the world go by and I don't think we're great at it in the UK. I think we use the weather as an excuse. I think Covid proved that the weather doesn't need to be an excuse. The, the innovation and rapidly constructed uh, shelters that came in, into our 
pubs and restaurants during COVID shows that we can do that in our city centres if we want to. Um, we have beautiful market squares, beautiful public realm. Uh, we just need to reimagine it and I think hold people in the city centre rather than get them to pass through it on their way to somewhere. I, I personally live in rural Northumberland. I, I love waking up to the birds and watching the rabbits run around the garden. But the city centre's a buzz, and it's a good buzz. And I, I think that, that leisure offering, get traffic out of the city centre wherever we can, invest in the public transport network, um, ha have hubs within. Interestingly, working in Edinburgh where the trams are going back in, it's brilliant, it's clean, it's quiet, uh, and it moves people about from place to place quickly. So you sound really positive about what's going on at the moment. Do you think that's trickling through to the wider construction sector across the UK? Yeah, I do, I do. Um, yes, I focused on Newcastle then, but looking around the country, we're involved in all sorts of potential developments and future developments. Um, and yeah, I think... I, I think there's going to be a huge focus on how we reinvigorate our city centres. Uh, I think that the days of being a shopping area are dated and numbered and we need to just offer a better leisure offering for our city centres to get people back into them. Uh, and I think it's the root of the economy. You talked about working environment and, and you were rather self-effacing talking about a bunch of 50-year-old men project consultants. Um, tell me about your own team at Helm. Is it just a group of 50-year-old men? <laughs> We're trying to book the trend. Uh, it's not. Uh, we have um, one female in our business, Esther, who uh, I think you've met through the Help to Grow scheme. Uh, Esther has grown from uh, being the business manager to really leading business development within the business now. Uh, getting out there and meeting people and the Help to Grow course has just blossomed, Esther. Uh, we've been looking, um, we're about to go into Yarm School uh, and talk about um, the industry and talk about jobs that are available within the industry, particularly focusing on project management and quantity surveying and uh, just looking at the trends of the increase of women in construction. In fact, Esther is a, a member of the Women in Construction group. So... We're not just a group of 50-year-olds. We uh, are actively recruiting and would dearly love to get some youth, vim and vigour into our organisation. So recruitment and retention pops up a lot on the, on the Why Small Business Matters podcast and trying to encourage, as you say, more women into the construction sector, but also to identify it as a really good route for graduates coming through. Do you do you see that happening? Because we, we hear on the news all the time that it's, you know, the construction sector can't find enough um, people to actually work on building sites or, it's or come, an it, come through the project management route. How do you and see probably that? Probably because I'm focused on this industry, I, I doubt very much it's restricted to construction. Uh, yes, we, we do have a problem with recruitment. Uh, we have a problem perhaps attracting people to the courses in the first place. Uh, I, I guess that it must be that availability of courses and attracting people to them. Uh, because if we're struggling to recruit, the jobs are obviously being filled by somebody or these graduates are getting places as they come out of university. Um, so I think we probably have a slight image issue that it's an old fashioned uh, trade construction. Uh, I know there's a lot of work in STEM. Uh, we could probably be better at it.
And how would you go about encouraging people to come and talk to you about potential careers in this industry? That's the the, the best way, a really informal chat. Um, I think that there's... It's such an excitement. I think that the car park is a classic point in principle. I'm building a car park out of concrete. It's not particularly exciting. But the fact that that car park enables nurses and people to get to work, you can really make a difference to where you live. Um, I, I take my children past projects that I've worked on and said I helped to build that. And that building might be there for 100 years. It's a building. It, it's something you can be proud of that gives longevity as well. <laughs> You're listening to Why Small Business Matters. Find out how Northumbria University can help your business thrive through the Help to Grow Management Programme, delivered by leading small business and enterprise experts from Northumbria University with the support of leading figures from industry and experienced entrepreneurs. The programme supports senior managers of small and medium-sized businesses to boost their business's performance, resilience and long-term growth. The 12-week programme is 90% funded by the government and the fee payable by participants is £750 and has been designed to allow participants to complete it alongside full-time work. The in-depth, high-quality curriculum supports you to build your capabilities in leadership, innovation, digital adoption, employee engagement, marketing, responsible business and financial management. By the end of the programme, you'll develop a business growth plan to help you lead your business to realise its potential. To find out more about the programme, the modules, eligibility and fees and delivery dates, go to northumbria.ac.uk slash help to grow. You're listening to Why Small Business Matters. I'm Sarah Stevenson, and today we're talking to Paul Bevan, who's a Projects Director at Helm Consulting. We're talking all things construction and design. Let's talk about some some of the buildings that you've been involved with and some of the projects. Are there any new building techniques at the moment that apply to large-scale projects that you think may filter down to the domestic market? Uh, I think we're finding our feet there. I think there are domestic uh, elements of construction that haven't filtered into commercial elements of construction yet. Uh, we certainly have modern, modern methods of construction. Off-site is, is certainly something that is happening both in commercial and domestic. Um, trying to keep our buildings greener. Uh, I would say, again, domestic is probably leading on that over commercial. Um, but uh, developers certainly are laser focused on their ESG targets uh, with commercial buildings. It's 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 almost the second item down after health and safety. Health and safety is paramount on any construction project. It's almost the second most important thing now that the kind of social values that are being brought through. Can I just touch on the fact that you you've talked about the car park? Um, but again, it's made of concrete, isn't it? So we talk about ESG and sustainability and things. Is there anything we can do to move away from concrete when it comes to these large-scale projects? Yeah, well, I say concrete for the car park. It's, it's mostly steel frame. Uh, but there are better ways of doing concrete. There's this GGBS, which is using uh, recycled materials from iron slag and things like that. So there are alternative methods that, people are trying to implement uh, they they come with their own issues um, sadly as something becomes uh, more obvious as a more sustainable building uh, substance the price increases so um, using ggbs in your concrete for instance we've seen the price of that increase over the last few years because people are more uh, sustainability focused 
So it's a shame. And just in terms of what you do as a business, is that one of your core values? I mean, is, is ESG important to you as a business? Yeah, hugely important. Uh, I think doing the right thing is difficult to quantify in a mission statement, if you like, but uh, doing the right thing is how we like to run our business. Uh, and that's cradle to grave. Everything that we do it should all be about doing the right thing wherever possible. We've talked about larger towns and cities. What about some of our smaller towns? How can we help improve the built environment in those places? Because again, traffic is an issue. You know, people want to be able to park, to be able to jump into a shop. Um, but some of our smaller towns are really suffering. A lot of the, the shops have shut. Um, how can those buildings be changed and, and, and used more effectively, do you think? I think Annick is a great case. Uh, it's it's my, my hometown, I guess, Annick, and it's, it has a beautiful, these beautiful market squares I talk about. We have a beautiful cobbled market square, uh, and it's a real point in which you can hold people. Uh, do people come to Annick because of its beautiful market square? No, they come to the castle, they come to the gardens, they come to Lily Dory. So having a feature close to the town that will encourage people in the first place, it's got to be the best starting point. Having decent transport links that will get you somewhere, another great starting point. Uh, the Newcastle Gateshead Initiative, NGI, are doing a wonderful job on attracting people to our region uh, and attracting investment. But I come back to it, it needs to start with the investment in the city centres to get the people into the city centres and to attract businesses from out with the region into the region is the introduction to the region. Once people have been introduced, we can shout to the treetops about all these wonderful towns and outlying villages that we have around the place. In this podcast, we, we really touch on the fact that the importance of small business within, not just within the region, but also the wider UK. Does anything touch within your business on social impact within Newcastle, within the region? Is that important to you? It is important to us. Um, as I said, I mentioned earlier, we're, we're into uh, one of the local private schools over the next few days to go and talk about the industry and how the industry can help people. As a veteran, I'm always keen to try and get ex-servicemen into work and I'm always talking about that at the start of a project. Uh, do you have opportunities that you could bring ex-servicemen into work onto this site? So. Yeah, anything we can do to make a difference uh, is worthwhile, absolutely. And where do you see your business heading in the next five years, ten years? Have you have you got some plan for the business at the moment? Currently, focus really on, I think, probably 60% project management, 40% quantity surveying. We'd like to address that balance a little bit, uh, grow our quantity surveying offering, uh, which is starting with recruitment. We're out for recruitment at the moment. Um, once we are able to grow the business, we have more ability to go into schools and we have more people and perhaps more relevant people. It's, uh, it can be, I guess, quite challenging for a 15 year old to look at a 50 year old and, and see a career path. Uh, so, so getting people into the business that can help us with that ESG type work would be great. You mentioned Esther, your colleague, who's taken part in the Help to Grow Management programme with us. Why did you think it was important for Esther to, to come on the leadership programme? I think to, first of all, realise and then unlock the obvious potential that was there within Esther. Um, 
Esther offers so much more than what she was doing before the Help to Grow course and probably just didn't appreciate it. It's a sad thing in life. You need to be told by a lot of people that you're good to believe it. Just one or two people telling you isn't enough. Uh, and, and the course, Esther's just blossomed. It's, it's night and day, the difference between Esther prior to the course and after the course. And it's unlocked an enthusiasm. Uh, Esther com is coming to work a different person. Um, I talked about vim and vigor in our new hire. That, that is Esther personified now since the course. It's been fascinating talking to you, Paul, because it's really put construction as a people business today, hasn't it? Rather than talking about bricks and mortar and the very technical aspects of the job. It's very much communication and uh, understanding people. So thank you very much. It's been really interesting. You're welcome. I enjoyed it, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks again to Paul Bevan for joining us today on Why Small Business Matters. If you've enjoyed listening to today's episode, why not follow or subscribe on the app of your choice? And don't forget to check out some previous episodes. Recently, we've spoken to Sam Spores at Talent Heads, who talks about her journey as an entrepreneur. Or Scott Gould, a former church minister turned engagement specialist, who talks about creating better engagement for business owners. Mm-hmm.